Hey, welcome to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I am Sergeant Andrews, and today I have uh, some special guests today, if, you, if y'all could say your names and position. Hi, I'm Ruth Ellis. I'm one of the behavioral health contractors for the South Carolina National Guard, and this is my daughter, Macy, who is a teenager I brought with me today. And my name is Ivy Hatfield. I am the risk reduction coordinator contractor for the Guard. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Red Ribbon Week and uh, having service member family care over here, uh, being the subject matter experts about their programs and all that. Um, I'd how how we want to start this off? All right. So first off, we can talk a little bit about what Red Ribbon Week actually is. I'm pretty sure everybody since that's grown up and gone through school since the 80s is familiar with it. Um, it is the largest and longest running drug prevention campaign in the United States. It was actually started in 1985 after a DEA agent was killed in the line of duty, and his family and his community in California came together and said, "Hey." We really need to raise awareness on the dangers of drug usage and the impact it's having on our community. Mm-hmm. And so since 1985, it's been going on. It was sponsored in 1987 by the National Family Partnership Foundation. And so it's implemented in schools across the country. Um, I'm sure everybody with elementary school age kids next week will see their kids have a whole list of silly sock day or something to help raise awareness about drugs um, and what we as community members and family members can do to keep our kids drug free and healthy. Okay. Um, I think that's great. I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about with behavioral health is that communication, that ongoing family communication, that teaching your child and awareness in the school certainly help there. um, Now, what... (laughs) What programs does service member family care uh, offer for, uh, for, for related to uh, Red Ribbon Week? So obviously we have the substance abuse program. Um, typically we work with service members and families actually in the guard. We don't really work with minors as much, but we can connect families to resources should they find that they ever need them. And mainly we just like to put out information about, hey, Drugs are in our community. Um, I think there's still kind of a stigmatized approach that we don't want to talk about drugs. We don't want to bring it up that it's out there. Mm-hmm. And they are very much out there. And our kids are being exposed to them through social media, whatever avenue they can find. And so you do need to come to the table and have a conversation about it. Obviously, one that's age appropriate. Um, but sit down and have that honest conversation with your kids because they know more than we may realize. And perfect that we have uh, a mother and daughter, so we use this as a great example. Like, how how would uh, how would a parent uh, talk to their kid about with going through? Uh, what, you're in middle school. I'm in high school. Oh, you're in high school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with going through school and all that, how how have how have you been able to talk to your uh, daughter about the like what to expect if to be put in this situation or what advice would you give? Sure. Um, I think what Ivy said is important. It is having a discussion. It's a very intentional discussion. Um, I don't think it's a one-time thing. I think it's an ongoing thing. So that kind of, from a behavioral health standpoint, that means that it's an ongoing thing, how we, how we communicate, how we stay in touch, how we um, so that we know not only what our children are doing but what they're facing mm-hmm. so that we can answer questions as they hear things. And that starts, I think Macy and I have talked about this a lot, that starts at a really even elementary school. Um, I think it's inherent. Sometimes we like as parents to put on these blinders and not think things are out there or it won't happen to my family or it won't happen to my child, and it's just not true. Um, so I think an awareness is a huge part of it. Um, education is a huge part of it. And, and in theory, you want to do all that before they're exposed to it so that they do know how to handle that. So that's kind of knowing your child. That's having those conversations that start kind of early. 
I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that? From um, I mean, I think you're right. With you just need to have conversations early and not it just be a one time thing. So not just talk like one time. Okay, this is what's out there. This is what you need to be careful for, and then we'll get back to it later. But just ongoing, like, hey, how are you? How what are you doing with your friends? And just yeah. just maybe, talking to them. Maybe what you're exposed to, to too. Yeah, not a, not, not an investigative, but yeah, not an investigative. Just in a what what's going on is there anything i need to talk about or we should talk about or anything right. you want to talk about and just really try and open that door without sure. pushing it open well and one of the things just as an example that she and i have experienced we were talking i don't know it's been a year or so ago about a party and she said hey that's something that people pass around and do and, and i went what is that i didn't know so we started talking about that and it kind of opened up a door of a, of a new thing i'm i'm a minute old so i didn't know and it was a new it was a new thing mm-hmm. so it was helpful for her to give me that information, too, um, so that I could kind of see what she is being exposed to and how kids today were using and doing. And, and the, the why is the important part for me for behavioral health in the big picture. Um, but in the small picture, it's my child and I want to protect her. So yeah. how do we do that as parents? I think that's kind of the name of the game. That's that's a great example. Um, well, for, for for being in high school, uh, <laughs> what are things that you see that like did you did, like the peer pressure and all that? Was that really like was it really a high school thing or is it like a middle school thing? With peer pressure, it was more middle school on like how to dress, how to act, how to talk, like what phone you had or what like this kind of like more material what you had. And in high school, I feel like it's really not because in high school it's all about being independent and your own person. So as much as peer pressure is still very relevant, I feel like a lot of the time if you're with your friends, then they don't put much pressure on you to drink or to do this or to do that. But if you're just with a group of people that you don't really know, I feel like it's there. So I think just deciding who you hang out with is a big thing. And that conversation, I think, is easier to have, at least with you, than than a one about drugs or, or drinking or yeah substance sure well and that brings up a good point too though is is the people we hang hang around with sometimes mm-hmm. those influences are they positive or are they negative in our lives and that can go to covering um how we talk about our problems how we how we see academics how we see parents and sometimes that you know in high school developmentally my background's education so i kind of know those developmental stages that people go through and, and as an adolescent one of those stages is it's not going to happen to me and i can handle whatever and that's a brain thing. That's not mm-hmm. you have a, an oppositional child. That is a brain thing of adolescence. So we have to understand that and just know that, yeah, it probably will. So how do we prevent that or what do we do or how would we teach people to cope? And especially being uh, put in that situation, you're like, oh, gosh, I never thought this would have actually oh, happened. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we're kind of behind the eight ball because now we got to know that's where the people like Ivy do come in or the resources we have because we're right there in that moment mm-hmm. as opposed to before. So we actually see both. I mean, I know you do, Ivy, of, mm-hmm. of people who are in that crisis and in that moment, but it's it's really nice when we can see them when they're kind of moving. And, and she and I share, not just families, but we have people who share, um, I really want help with this problem or I don't want it to be a problem, so what can we do? And that's another piece of our resources, I think. And one thing you'll really hear us hit on all the time in service member family care is asking those follow-up questions when something doesn't sit right with your gut. Because on the surface, it could be maybe your kid's just getting bad grades, but is there other stuff going on? Like, are they feeling pressured to succeed? Um, How are they coping with that? And then also one thing we try to do with our service members is we try to educate them on what's out there um, because 
a lot of us have been out of high school for just just a little bit now, um, and drugs have changed. They have evolved. The lingo and the terminology is completely different. Um, so just being familiar with what's going on in the world, and when you hear your kids talk about something, go, hmm, maybe that's something I should follow up on. Like, what exactly is that? What exactly are y'all doing? Um, the trends and stuff like that. Exactly. Sure. I also think no, noticing. I think so often right now what I say with families is we're also busy. And we all have our activities, so we're not really paying attention when there are changes or when coping is maybe a slightly different thing or when friend groups change or when habits change, sleep habits or appetite disturbances. I mean, we, those are things that I'm looking for with behavioral health to, to kind of be indicative of, hey, there's a problem here. Um, oftentimes, um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but oftentimes I see, um, we see in behavioral health that the the substance use and or abuse is more of a self-medication so it's a way to treat other issues for the the individual and so that kind of brings a whole different thing well and two um being an adolescent these days is completely different than we were going through school because when i was in high school there was no social media if somebody was going to post a picture of you they still had to take it to cvs to get developed like it wasn't instantaneous things are instantaneous now and so kids are really feeling that pressure to cope and to deal and so like ruth said it's being aware of the sleeping habits that change um maybe things are stressing them out i have worked with a number of service members who struggle um, with adderall issues because they got on it when they were in high school trying to keep up with that performance level and keep up with their peers and really be top notch. And then it rolled into an abuse issue. Especially there's a thing with, uh, like you said, with social media, mm-hmm. um, like movies, TV shows and all that, where it's glamorized in this uh, great way. But then like, if you're to do a, another panel where it's like the actual reality, it's going to look pretty dark and grim. Yeah, there is this definite, um, or at least in my opinion, there's a very big glamorization of drug and alcohol usage. Um, The media kind of portrays it one way, like everything is sunshine and rainbows, it's going to be great. And in actuality, every person is different. Every person is going to handle that substance different. And it's not always going to be sunshines and rainbows. And that substance use can additionally, it can trigger other mental health issues down the line. Um, So it can essentially open a whole can of worms. Mm -hmm. Now, so uh, we're getting to that. And uh, what what programs does service member family care have to provide? Um, can we, uh, well, we we can list this in the uh, description, but uh, what what programs do uh, does service member ha- family care have to provide for soldiers, our federal employees? Uh, you want to go first? Oh, go ahead. I'll follow you. Well, so substance abuse program, we obviously can refer anyone to any sort of facility they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just interested in learning more about education. Um, you don't think you have a full-on abuse issue, but you think you could benefit from edu- education. We can connect you to community-based providers, or maybe the person has kind of reached that point where it is an abuse issue and they need help. Um, we can definitely get them connected to the appropriate level of care. Or maybe if you're starting to notice those trends rolling around in your family, your kids aren't sleeping, they're acting out. At that point, we would come alongside Ruth and her team and say, hey, these are the professionals you can talk to now before this becomes a massive issue. Now, uh, with the uh, behavioral health uh, uh, professionals, uh, where can we get a hold of your information, um, contacts, and everything like that, that service members out there, federal employees, that they can get a hold of and get access to and say, hey, I've got an issue. I'm, 
thank you for uh, thank you for putting this information out on the podcast. But hey, this kind of sparked up an idea. Like maybe I just need to talk to somebody. Say this is sure. uh, uh, this is like this is at the point where I need to talk to somebody. Sure, and there are a lot of ways. I'm glad you asked that because there are a lot of ways to do that. We have an 800 number that's a behavioral health care line. Um, it actually is activated and, and monitored by the seven behavioral health specialists um, for this state. And so there are always two of us on call. So if one, that's one way is you can call 1-800-681-2558. Um, that is a, a line that is operated um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year by two people. Um, so we rotate that call, but that is a place where they can call and say, hey, I really need some help. Um, usually you have to leave a message because we're trying to be HIPAA compliant there too. So they'll leave a message and they should get a call back within five to 10 minutes. And then we can start that process. Um, the way the behavioral health program works, so that the 800 number is one way. Uh, another way is to call people like Ivy or call a resource that you've heard. And so there are lots of service and family care resources. We all work together. The difference in the behavioral health, it is a confidential program. Um, we're all licensed mental health professionals. Um, in the state of South Carolina, we have both uh, a licensed professional counselors, LPCs, and then we also have social workers, um, licensed independent social workers, and then we have a marriage and family therapy specialist who's licensed there too. So we have different disciplines. Um, we're broken up. We're all in the one stop, so the seven one stops around the state. So they can look at a map to see that. Um, every armory has a posting of that. Um, every armory where they're drilling also has a, um, a list of who their behavioral health person is. So they should be able to see that. Um, so that's those are some ways. Uh, another way is to is to simply call. I think if you Google South Carolina National Guard, it actually pops up with 800 line. Um, you can certainly call me. Don't have a problem giving out that number. Um, that is 803-360-1739. Um, that comes directly to my guard phone. Um, what we do as behavioral health specialists is assessment, so we can kind of walk through what's going on. Um, what they need. Some people need a little less intensive. Some people need um, crisis management. Some people need a referral. So part of our job, most of us have seven to eight counties that we cover. And so we try to have resources within that county, people who are specialized in certain age groups or families or whatever that discipline is. So we try to have connections that are out there, uh, service members and their families. This is a free service. That's a huge thing. Um, it's, it's unique to South Carolina. Um, every state has behavioral health. Not every state has it functioning quite like we do. Mm -hmm. So that's a great plus for South Carolina National Guard. Um, and we cover, we're purple, so we cover all branches of the service. So that's retired, that's the people who are in R&R, &R, that's uh, veterans, um, those are active duty, we cover it all. So that's a good thing. Um, part of what we do is have those resources that are available that are in the community. So we may can send, if people need a little more intensive treatment, we can do that. Obviously with seven and covering everybody, it, everybody can't receive services from us. Um, so that's why we have people that we connect to okay. and connect them with. Well, I appreciate you all coming on the podcast. Thank you all very much. Yeah. And for those that are listening, thank you for uh, watching the podcast. If you can give us a big like, uh, subscribe, and make sure to comment in the description or comments and uh, whatever you'd like to see the next topic come up next. Thank you all for listening.